Newsweek presents The Debate with Andrew Tolman. Everything 100% of the time, 24 hours a day is a negotiation. Ellis Hennigan. None of us have fallen for the notion that this is conservative. Amani wells on Yoha. I'm completely fed up with whether it's politicized or not. And Jeff Charles. That distracts us from actually rolling up our sleeves. The Debate starts now. All right, guys, crime is on the rise, not only all over the country, but specifically in our nation's capital. Um, One of our councilmen have been requesting to bring in the National Guard because crime has gotten that out of hand. The murder rate is up. The homicide rate is up. The sexual abuse rate is up. And a lot of the people being affected by this crime are children. Children are involved and children are the ones being murdered, abused, all of that stuff. It's getting scary over there. Um, criminal justice reform is necessary. I don't know if the National Guard <laughs> is the way to go, but I definitely want to open the conversation up and just want to hear y'all's feedback on even them now deciding to request the National Guard. And if y'all know earlier in the year, they were in Congress trying to fight for Loosening is might be the wrong word, but they were looking to, in a way, loosen some of the laws in the area. But now they've kind of hit a complete 180 because they are finally seeing and acknowledging just how bad crime has gotten in the area. So what do we do when there's a crime wave in an area? Do we call in the National Guard? Do we recruit more police? Do we invest in the community? What's the right route? <laughs> wow. Well, it's a, it's a all that for us, Andrew. Please. Yeah, no, it's it's weird duty for the National Guard, right? I mean, yeah. you know, when the National Guard is what deployed internationally when necessary, deployed domestically for crises, right? Hurricanes, earthquakes, mm-hmm. fires, uh, things like that, and you don't, I mean, ever typically deploy them for what street deterrence law enforcement is not their function it's not their it's not their training it's not their skill set it's certainly not the kind of thing that we uh, think of as the norm for any branch of the military on u.s soil so it seems like an odd solution to me i you know i'm certainly as, about as pro-military as you can get and i can understand that they feel like they're failing across the board in dc but um, it just it, it just doesn't seem like the right instrument for the you know you're you're using a Phillips head for a, a regular screw. I don't know. It just it seems weird to me. Uh, and then what would their role be? Like, are they armed? Are they not armed? Are they there to just look tough and fatigues? I don't know what's being asked, honestly. And so I guess I don't have a good opinion about whether it would be effective. It just seems abundantly strange. Yeah, the councilman who proposed it said, quote, I think we need a strong presence on the street, unquote. So I think they're trying to use it as a method to, like, scare people into submission. I'm not necessarily sure that's the right way to go. Um, And like you're saying, the National Guard, you know, they need to be in Maui. They need to be in places where there's real disaster going on. And this is just a Band-Aid on a bigger problem that is criminal justice reform. And it is something that we've noticed needs to be done in this country. And we do have crime. And in order to even think about reforming crime, we have to acknowledge that crime exists. So I think that is where we start. But where do we go from there is kind of where everybody's on different sides of the issue. You know, when I see National Guard, I mean, I'm thinking... (laughs) That's something that you call in if there's like widespread rioting, looting, you know, like with the L.A. riots, they called in the National Guard. They're better suited for that. When it comes to rampant crime, though, I mean, I'm with you guys. I have no idea what the National Guard is going to do about that. They're not going to investigate crimes. They're not going to arrest people. Really, I think what this is, is 
it's what politicians do to make it look like they're trying to fix a problem when they're either ill-equipped or unable or unwilling to solve a problem. It looks good to say, yeah, let's have a National Guard. And if they get the National Guard, yeah, it looks good to have them out there. And the fatigues, it looks good to the rest of the world. But in reality, it's not really doing anything. You're essentially creating an almost militarized police state. And that's really how it's going to look to people who aren't committing these crimes. So you have something that's not really a solution. It's not going to do anything about the problem, but it's good for optics. So that's what it looks like to me in my cynical mind. Definitely. It's the it's the battle of the optics. And they did some over the years. This is a, a new development as far as this recent crime uh, sp- spree, if you will. And they have started reallocating funds towards like the community investing and in trying to address the problem um, beforehand before it turns criminal. But even then, they weren't able to exactly track how much money had been invested into which programs and what the um, but the product that those programs are. So, yeah, there's a lot that needs to be done that the politicians in the city could be doing. But this just seems like they're trying to kind of tout themselves as fixing the problem without actually digging into the solutions and seeing what necessities really need to be done. Uh, what do you think, Ellis? Uh, it's not even good optics, uh, Amani. The solution to crime isn't to put uh, more people in uniforms with longer guns mm-hmm. on the street. I mean, that, that, that's frankly the kind of idea that someone who has no ideas turns to when they are feeling frustrated, which is understandable. I mean, the the issues in, in, in many parts of America are real, but but maybe we, we ought to try and learn from from some of our our hard won experience on the crime issue. Let, let, let me just float a couple of ideas that, that of, of things that I think we've learned. One is that you can't just give up. Right. You yeah. can't just say we're not going to arrest anybody who does bad things when they never going to lock anybody up. Some people some people need to be locked up. And and even somebody who's uh, who's fairly sympathetic to the social causes of crime. I mean, I recognize you know, so some people you just you just can't have on the street. But at the same time, we have had a huge failure in this country, an expensive failure of just locking too many people up for too long without any hope that they're actually going to get rehabilitated or prepared for a return back to society. So it seems to me we've got to devote that energy to those community based solutions that actually might give us some chance of working. And no, it's not big guns. And no, it's not mandatory life sentence for everybody. It's it's the hard, smart, and yes, expensive work of, of trying to get behind the causes of some of these things. I mean, what I keep thinking yeah. about is, you know, the crime problem in D.C., which I guess, according to the, the, the few numbers I've looked at, is it's worse than it has been, but it's not the worst it's ever been. You know, it's been worse in the past. And I guess 93 is kind of a reference point for a lot of people of uh, the last time they sort of went down this road a little bit. And what I keep thinking in my head is, you know, I'm always looking for what's the problem that's needing a solution. And is the problem inadequate National Guard on the streets? <laughs> you know, like if 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 your answer is put the guard in, it means you're saying that the, the problem is we just don't have enough National. Well, no, that I mean, that's not the problem, obviously. The problem may be a lot of other things, but that's not it. So how does this address any of the underlying causes other than it's just being, as you guys have said, kind of a like a knee jerk reaction to, oh, my God, things are falling apart. What do I do? What do I do? That's exactly what it is. You know, I think one issue, too, I mean, especially in a lot of cities where their police forces are stretched thin, they're having a lot of resignations over the past 
uh, three years or so. And I even remember in Chicago when Trump was president, they were they were talking about sending the National Guard there. That, that That's not the solution. I mean, what, one of the issues is that if our police are stretched thin. Maybe certain things that we consider to be crimes shouldn't be considered crimes. I mean, that's where I'm talking about ending the, the war on drugs. If police can actually focus on people who are assaulting, murdering, stealing from people, and that's all they're focusing on, then I think that that would free up a lot of space to not be just locking everybody up and, and and actually being able to go after the people who are dangerous and making sure that they actually stay in prison. Because I'm with you, Ellis, some people do need to be locked up. They shouldn't be free in society. But when you have policies that punish victimless crimes and you have people giving uh, giving light, lighter sentences for violent behavior, you've kind of got it backwards. Can I throw one note of skepticism in, in, in this conversation? Uh, th- listen, I, I don't mean to suggest anywhere that, that crime is okay or that it's tolerable or that the people don't suffer tremendously from crime. And, and, and that is, that is true. But like, like I'm in New York right now and, and I, I knew something about this. I was, I was a cop reporter. I covered the police uh, in the eighties and nineties, which was a time of, of real crime, far, far more crime than we had today. Like here's, here's a number I have in my head. I when, when I was a cop reporter in 1990, we had 2,100 homicides in the five boroughs of New York City, 2,100. This past year, amid all of this hysteria, all of this, oh my God, the city is going to hell again, we had 400 and change. Now, now that's up from 300 and change. And so, so, so I'm not saying we should ignore it, but it isn't quite, quite the end of Western civilization that I think sometimes you might get a sense if you, if you listen to this debate too much. And I could see that perspective. I know like the main thing that was happening in D.C. was they were having a problem with reoffenders and they were letting people out before on like pre-trial, they were letting them out of jail and then they were reoffending before they even had a chance to go to trial. And so they were putting, this was their slight attempt, but this was something that was passed, I believe in the nineties. So this is something that's been going on for decades now, but just like you're saying, there may be a recent spike in these reoffenders, which is causing all of the hysteria, but there are people who were arrested for violent crimes like assault or domestic violence is one of the really big ones that's, bubbling over there right now. And then they would be arrested, let out. And then while they were out, they would reoffend. They would harm the same people. They would kill those people. They would continue to brutalize them, whatever. And that is something that they're now looking to go back and change on the books in D.C. specifically. So it's just kind of like there's a lot of things we could be doing exactly like what Jeff is saying. Don't arrest the people who are not hurting anybody like nonviolent offenders deserve to be out on pretrial release. But those violent ones keep them in there. You know, there's a there's a balance that we have to find and strike in order to kind of make sure some of this stuff gets a little less intense. You know, one, one of the things uh, every week I have a regular interview with uh, we cover two county county area in my radio show. So both sheriffs and the you know biggest local city, the, the you know representative of the police department. And what they say again and again and again and again and again is that crime clusters around two basic things. Uh, on the one hand, you have domestic issues, right? People, uh, people die because they lose their temper, uh, you know, romance, non-romance, relationships, friendships, fights, whatever. It's, it's some kind of domestic. And those things pretty much you, you can work to sort of educate the populace about how, how to handle psychology and emotions and relationships. But those things you really can't prevent because they're going to happen. That's just human nature. 
Uh, you can work on it, but it's basically punishing people after the fact. The other cluster is around uh, drugs and criminal enterprises, right? It's um, people robbing drug dealers and robbing each other. And, you know, if you don't hang around the wrong people, you're less likely to be in danger. But you basically have those two clusters and that's a cluster you can work on, right? You can, uh, you know, target drug dealers. You can uh, target criminal activity outside of drugs. You can target gangs. You can you can work on that one. So I guess I want to know. Uh, is the problem in D.C. both one or the other? You know, is it, well, it's just really, really hot in D.C. and people are acting crazy, or is it, no, um, the criminals feel emboldened, they don't feel like there's any punishment for their activity, and so they're out there doing more of what they do because they can get away with it. Before I want to start diagnosing solutions, I kind of want to know the shape of the problem, if that makes sense. Definitely, and that's what we're trying, not we're, as if I'm there, but us as readers and investigators virtually on this issue are trying to, to figure out. And I think a piece of it is the, chill, the the kids part in the community. I think there's not a lot that they're doing to occupy their time. And a lot of them in that area are getting involved in this criminal activity. Um, some of it is the domestic stuff. But like you said, some of it is them not having things to do after school, not, not having um, the proper resources to invest their time in. So they are getting involved in gang activity or um, in crime and drugs and what have you. So yeah, reallocating some of the funds from the police department might be a smart thing to do. And that might, that's kind of what they were trying to do before. But at this point, I think there needs to be some sort of repercussions for the actions, but at the same time, something for them to further occupy their time with. How will they go about doing that? I'm not entirely sure. Um, but the National Guard is not the way to go. Yeah, idle hands are the devil's playground, right? And, you know, summertime and teenagers, they're boys, they're bored, they're, I mean, you know, all of these things, right? I feel all of those things, by the way. Um, Hopefully I won't be committing any felonies anytime soon. I I do think it's time maybe for us as a nation to start rethinking how our police operate. You know, to some extent, they have this model that's been around now for, you know, I guess probably since the early 1900s, the modern concept of policing. Right. You know, the cop, the cops don't walk a beat anymore. They don't they're not really expected to, to, to have relationships with folks. They stay in cars and they respond to 911 calls. And that a huge, huge percentage of the policing resources are devoted to that. And maybe that's just not the best way to to fight modern crime. Maybe they, there is more of a social work aspect to it or a psychological aspect. You, you know, you think we must have learned something in the last century about how to how to interact between law enforcement and, and, and folks on the street. I'm not sure we're there yet, though. You know, one of the things that we've been doing here locally, a um, couple of thoughts. One is, you know, community policing is kind of the buzzword, right? That's the, you know, get out there, meet the citizens, uh, hold events, show movies, meet a cop, go to school, you know, just be involved in the community a little bit more in a way that, it uh, breaks down the barrier between citizen and, you know, blue uniform or whatever. And especially in areas where you don't get very much cooperation when there's a crime. Look, we all know that there's some parts of town where crime happens and everybody's out there offering their cameras up and telling everybody what's going on. Other parts of town, it's like, oh, nobody, saw, nobody saw nothing. You know, nobody saw nothing here. Well, you know, there's a reason for that. And trying to break down that barrier has been a real active part of what several of our local agencies have been trying to do. But the other thing, they just did this recently for about three months. We had a really, we had a rash of shootings, okay? And the um, the sheriff and the county and the city and like public works and sanitation and the, and the power company uh, basically all got together and said, all right, 
we're just going to fixate on these couple of blocks and we're going to make sure that all of the lights are working. We're going to make sure that we're there cleaning up trash, kind of the broken window theory of the old, uh, you know, uh, 30 years ago, whatever, in New York City. But just be present in that area all the time. And toward the end of that, that was like the safest place in town to ever go because it was nobody wanted to do crime in that area because they knew, well, that's a that's a high likelihood that I'm going to get seen, get caught, discouraged or whatever. I mean, those kinds of invested activities seem to work. Do they work long term? I don't know, but they work short term and that's better than working no term at all. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're speaking to, Andrew, is a more of a holistic solution. I mean, it's tempting to just say, oh, yeah, let's just add some more cops, put some more cops out there, call in the National Guard or what have you. But I think it's a multifaceted approach. I, th- I believe that the community plays a big role in this, too, in you know uh, fostering education, fostering economic growth, economic success. I think all of those things play into this. But when you have a community that, that cares about what it's doing, it cares about the health of the community and actually has police that are in line with that, then I think you do get a better result, I'd say short term and long term. I agree with you, Jeff. I think it is going to take a more holistic solution. And exactly what you were saying, Ellis, this whole reactive policing thing is is not working. <laughs> Clearly not. Clearly just driving through the streets and seeing crime as it's happening and then trying to chase people down is not the way to end crime or deter crime in any way. So, yeah, criminal justice reform. There's a million things that need to happen. There's a million different ways, but uh, simply letting everybody go is not going to work. Locking everybody up is not going to work. And then calling in the military is not going to work either. So maybe we should just borrow a little bit from all the ideas minus the military one. I'm sorry, Andrew, we're not calling the military. Oh, no, I'm with you on that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Have a couple of National Guard guys out on the corner with a pop up card table playing spades to prevent crime. Doesn't make any sense to me either. None whatsoever. So, yeah, back to the drawing board, D.C., uh, down with the National Guard. Nobody's nobody's vibing with that. Uh, Try again. If you would like to be a part of the debate, email us the debate at Newsweek.com.